This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant, and you know how to get aboard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Gallant Says and Facebook.com slash Paul Gallant Sports. If you so choose to go the old-fashioned way, you'll be able to call in at 10.15, your chance to be heard. We have some recent breaking news in the NFL, and it takes place in the NFC West. A contract extension that I feel like has a direct impact on the Seahawks and their conversations with safety Jamal Adams as they try to work towards an extension. We haven't heard anything new on that front yet. But I think that this is very important. The San Francisco 49ers are going to give linebacker Fred Warner a five-year, $95 million contract extension, including $40.5 million guaranteed. We'll find out more details of the contract over the next couple of hours. But what we do know right now is that on an average basis, Fred Warner is now the highest paid middle linebacker in the NFL. He is a more highly paid middle linebacker than that of Bobby Wagner. So let's go back to Jamal Adams for a moment. Now, some people are going to get mad at me when I say this. I do think that Fred Warner, over the past season, has been a better player than Bobby Wagner. Get mad at, you, get mad at me all you want. This is objectively me speaking about the two. And while Wagner has had some good games, Warner does a lot of things that I don't think Wagner is quite as good at anymore. Specifically, I would point to in coverage. Warner is probably the 49ers' second-best defender after one Nick Bosa on their defensive line. He is really, really good. Is Bobby Wagner the Seahawks' best defender anymore? I don't know. I still think he's good. But I don't know that he has the same impact that Jamal Adams does. And if I'm Jamal Adams, I'm looking at that contract. I already was looking at Bobby Wagner's deal. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't care if I'm supposed to sit inside this box for safeties and get X amount of dollars, slightly more than Broncos safety Jordan Simmons is probably what he's looking at right now. I am going to look at what I am. I am a versatile defender. I can play safety. I am essentially a super fast linebacker, and I can get after the quarterback as a pass rusher. I am the greatest jack-of-all-trades defender in the NFL. Now, you could argue that if you want, but I'm speaking from Adam's perspective. That, if he wants to get what he wants, should be the perspective he takes. And quite honestly, if I'm the Seahawks and I'm looking at this objectively, I'm giving it to him. And I know I've said this before when it comes to Jadevian Clowney, and I know it's not exactly fiscally responsible, but when you trade two first-round picks... Throw fiscally responsible out the window. That stopped existing as soon as you decided to trade two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. He is your best defensive player. As as your best defensive player, you should be at the very least entertaining the idea of giving him the kind of contract that we just saw Fred Warner get. And that is a massive deal. And it won't be helpful, particularly down the road, for the Seahawks, who will have some serious conversations about what they do next First off, with DK Metcalf, that's the next big contract that will require a conversation 
Can't do it quite this offseason. You have to wait until next offseason to actually start those. We all know Dwayne Brown is not particularly thrilled with his deal right now. He's going into the last year of his contract. Is he going to be with this team long term? I know Quandre Diggs brought it up as well, but Adams is the most important one. Adams is your most important defensive player, and Adams, I feel like, has a very, very good case that he should get more money than what we just saw Fred Warner get. I find it strange that middle linebackers get more money than safeties. Maybe that's because I am someone who grew up loving the play of safeties. Maybe it's because I'm someone that played safety in high school. I don't know what it is, but I feel like safeties in today's NFL, if you're really talented, you have more of an impact potentially on a game than a middle linebacker can. And maybe it's also me watching just this past calendar year and seeing the impact Adams had when he was healthy versus the impact that Bobby Wagner had. And it was different. It's not to say Wagner was bad again. I, I want to keep on saying that. I just think Adams was better than Wagner. And since Adams was better than Wagner, I feel like I, if I had to be held down or locked in a room and I'm stuck with Jamal Adams and we can't leave until we get a deal done, I'm going to essentially, by the end of the long, drawn-out process as we are in this room together, I'm going to agree to probably pay Jamal Adams more than Bobby Wagner is worth. And honestly, it would probably mean more than what Fred Warner is getting. But that is the news today across the NFL. Fred Warner, he gets himself a new contract. Five years, $40.5 million guaranteed, $95 million total. And I feel like that's the kind of money that Jamal Adams can ask for. 710-710 is how you text it on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Let's take a look at some of the responses. Simmons is far better in coverage than Adams. Well, are you asking Adams to cover? And is this something that you're really just going to get hung up over? Because optimally, you're not. Optimally, you're not telling Adams to do anything more than occasionally cover tight ends. And when he was with the Jets, he was pretty good at that. I would go back to a game that the Jets played against the Dallas Cowboys a couple of seasons ago. And Adams was great. He really was. And I, I, I forget exactly who he was lined up in coverage against. But whoever it was, I mean, he was a giant pain in the butt for that guy. He can match up against tight ends. You don't want him matched up against wide receivers like Stephon Diggs. But what safety really would you want matched up in one-on-one coverage against a wide receiver? Very few. I'm not even sure you put Jordan Simmons in that conversation. Make if it's Patrick, because I know another name that people will bring up. It's weird. There's this idea that the only one kind of safety can get paid. But I would just go back in time. You know, when Cam Chancellor was asking for what he wanted, obviously it didn't work out because he got hurt, but wasn't Cam Chancellor worth what he was asking for? Wasn't Cam Chancellor essentially the backbone of that defense? And I know you have Earl Thomas, you have Richard Sherman, you had a really good defense that it felt like after those three, you could plug anybody in and they would find a way to make it work. But I feel like safety has proven that it is an extremely valuable position regardless of what kind of safety you are. Regardless of if you're a cover guy or a guy who's going to come up into the box and, and lay people out. Or you're just a guy who's literally all over the field and sometimes tracking guys down as they run towards the sideline. After you just run straight through the line of scrimmage, straight through the center, essentially, you can still turn at a ridiculous, fast and furious, Dom Toretto kind of angle and catch up with somebody, whether it's Cam Akers or it's Cam Newton, as they run up the right sideline, try to get into the end zone. There's Jamal Adams taking a hard turn, tracking them down from behind and tackling them before the end zone. That's the kind of impact that he can have at any point on the field. So I would do it. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, text line. It's subjective of you speaking, not objective, subjective. Whatever. Semantics. 
I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. The Mariners got a win against the Colorado Rockies yesterday. We're finding out more and more about the Seattle Kraken as slowly we see who they have picked in the expansion draft. Sorry for all those people who are waiting for the actual expansion draft process and hoping that there would be some suspense, some surprise. It seems like we pretty much know just about all the Seattle Kraken right now if you are living on the Twitter in the Twitter world. We can talk about that. It's 10-10. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. But it's time for What's Trending Right Now with more Dually brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. And What's Trending. And more Dually can be heard on the 710 app. 710 Smart Speaker. I wasn't sure what you were doing 710 there. 710sports.com slash video. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I always feel this need to plug all of those things. Yes. It's a good call. Good I'm call. a company man. <laughs> all right. As you mentioned, the Kraken expansion draft will be aired on ESPN2 at 5 p.m. tonight. But uh, picks were turned in this morning, and much of it has already been leaked. Uh, we do know that the Kraken did not select Canadiens goalie Carey Price or Blues winger Vladimir Tarasenko, who were... Some of the bigger names being floated, but did have some injury concerns. Uh, We will be talking with Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times next at 1030 to get a little more background on this. At 745, we talked with Chris Johnson, who is an NHL insider for Hockey Night in Canada. And he said that when it comes to Price, who Maura just mentioned, who, if you don't know, helped lead the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup. And a couple of years ago, was considered the de facto best goalie in hockey. That's why he's making a lot of money. Every single year. It sounds like they are not going in that direction. It sounds like they are going in a defender-heavy direction and also a cost-effective one. If you want to find out who everybody is that has been selected, Marissa Ngemi, who is the new beat writer for the Seattle Kraken for the Seattle Times, has put together a thread, and it is pretty comprehensive. Not going to lie. We're still figuring out things about these guys as the show continues. Right now, I'm just writing all their names down before I actually can dive into what well, we should Guy know X does. That if there have been side deals made, because the Kraken will probably send some of these guys elsewhere for future picks, we won't know those until tomorrow morning. Correct. So some of these guys might not actually stay with the team. This is true. And on top of that, this is also before we find out what little side deals were made between the Kraken and other teams as far as what teams would be willing to perhaps give a draft pick to the Kraken so that they would not pick player X, Y, or Z. Because some players, even though they were not protected, their respective teams did not want to move on from them. So we know the players. We will find out the assets soon. But it is very cool to see that we can finally put some names behind the Kraken sweater. Got it right, see? Let's go. Let's go. Very exciting. What's up next? All right, the Bucks defeated the Suns 105-98 for their first title in 50 years last night. Here's the Bucks radio call. Tucker with the rebound. The Suns are not going to foul. It's been a 50-year journey. Wisconsin, we've got a room at the top of the world tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. Let the celebration begin. Over 18,000 days, Dennis. And they're NBA champions once again. Wow, what a finish. I don't know how many of you guys have watched the movie Varsity Blues towards the very end. As Jonathan Moxon, with his awful Texas accent, is wrapping things up, he says, 
Billy Bob cried because Billy Bob's a bit of a crier. I'm a bit of a crier. I teared up last night watching the Bucks win. And I was trying to think about why. I don't care about Milwaukee. I will be going there for the first time ever next month for a wedding, but I've never been there before. I have no attachment to the city at all. And honestly, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been a thorn in the side of my favorite basketball team, the Boston Celtics, over the last couple of years. The Milwaukee Bucks, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was two years ago that they dispatched the Boston Celtics, despite Paul Pierce's assumptions after Game 1 that the Boston Celtics were going to win. And yet, I look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, and not only is he just this this goofy, yet likable, down-to-earth, humble basketball player, he has literally completed a Disney movie. If you take a look back in time, 2013, when the Milwaukee Bucks drafted him, first off, just do yourself a favor and look at how he looked. He he is this baby-faced young man who's coming into the league, who, who is learning the English language, who is learning what it's like to live in the United States, who is having smoothies for the first time. And over all of these years, he has slowly bulked up and gotten better and better and better and better and better. His improvement since coming into the NBA in 2013, and this isn't like we're talking about a top overall pick. This is a guy who was a project. He has worked his ass off to get to the level that he is at right now. And it's not surprising just given where he came from. For those who don't know, he is born in Athens, in Greece, but he was born, his parents, to... Nigerian immigrants and Greece I mean you think it's bad with immigrants here and I know there are some people out there who do I I, I would say that while we are not perfect it is a lot better here than it is in a lot of other countries and in, in, in Greece it is not very good for immigrants there and Giannis was essentially a, a, a child without a country even though he was born in Athens and spent his whole childhood that way and this strange circumstance happens where Giannis goes from essentially on the street trying to help his family earn money where he is selling CDs and sunglasses and watches where a guy who did not even really play basketball until he was 12 is discovered by this honestly awesome benefactor who said I want your kids to play basketball with me I want to train them he helped Giannis's parents get um, better paying jobs And Giannis just blossomed under this guy to the point that he's taken by the Milwaukee Bucks and just the last couple of years have been incredible. 50 points in the game-clinching victory, incredible block shots, putbacks, and finally hitting free throws. I'm just so happy for him. And that he also did this with the team that drafted him. He signed the extension with this city. It's a small city that people don't really think much of in the United States. I mean, shoot, the best NFL team in that state doesn't even play in Milwaukee. And he said, you know what? I like it here. I'm going to stay. And he won. I I just think that's, that's why I watch sports. That's why I played sports growing up, to get that kind of moment. And who gets that moment ever over the course of their life? Just that kind of recognition like, hey, man. You were able to do all of these things and you're going to be appreciated by this community of people who are rooting for you for reasons that you really can't quite understand. I'm so happy for him. I hope he has a ball the next couple of days. And honestly, based off of what we have seen on his Instagram live, we are going to see that. Good for you, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Milwaukee. Have yourselves a party. You deserve it.
I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. In about eh, 12 minutes or so, we're going to talk to Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times about the newest Seattle Kraken, what we know about them thus far, some of the decisions that they have made, why they're making the direction that they are going, uh, where they are essentially going after a lot of defenders, and they're not signing some of the big profile names, as Moore mentioned just a little bit ago, uh, Carey Price of the Montreal Canadiens. They are not going to bring him in, the goalie who led the Canadiens to the Stanley Cup. It is 10:18. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, and it's your chance right now. 206-421-3776-710-710, the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Akalon says on Twitter, to be heard. Your voice, voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 10:15 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710, Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You weren't watching the Mariners' regular season game, Paul. What the heck? I was. And to the Seattle Mariners' credit, they took care of business against the Colorado Rockies. 6-4. Here's the key that I have. I have a two-TV setup. It's wonderful. And it's not like these two TVs that I have are particularly expensive. These are I remember I found one deal on Amazon for this TV that somehow is still working, where it was like $300 for a 48-inch TV. It's not exactly the best quality, but I don't really care about the quality as much as the size, so I can just make sure that my older eyes are able to see. And I have a TV on top of it. I watch the Mariners on the TV on top. I watch the... Milwaukee Bucks on the TV on the bottom. And I had a blast being able to watch both games. And good for the Mariners, who stayed in the win column, and you actually saw some steps forward from Marco Gonzalez. And we'll see if they're able to do it in a couple of hours, as they should, should get a two-game sweep of the Colorado Rockies later today. They're a better team than Colorado. They should have swept them in that two-game set that took place at T-Mobile Park a couple of weeks ago. Great to see Cal Raleigh get his first two hits of his major league career. Hopefully, Jared Kelnick, whose three-game hitting streak was snapped. And yes, I'm going to call three games in a row by Jared Kelnick a hitting streak because I want Jared Kelnick to feel as good as he possibly can feel, as confident as he, poss- as he possibly can feel as well. But you saw some steps forward. I will just say that I'm, I'm, I'm not like super over the, over the moon excited about the game. But you win, and you keep winning, and maybe after to this afternoon's game against the Rockies where you start playing really good teams like the Yankees and the... Rays and the A's and the Astros, maybe we'll see the Mariners somehow keep themselves in relative playoff contention at this point in time. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Dude, you've got to drop the hate on cities you don't like or know anything about. You're from Massachusetts and Florida. Those places many could easily clown on. Please stop. It's mad annoying. You white and it's borderline offensive. Okay, so first off, I've also lived in Texas, and I've lived in Syracuse, New York. Second, I think it's fun to make fun of cities that you've never been to because am I doing it seriously? Obviously I'm not, but it's still fun to do it anyway. Third, Milwaukee is an afterthought as a city in the United States of America. And if you think of anything else, you're kidding yourselves. I don't understand the race thing at all. I don't know why you're bringing it into it. Honestly, I think you're a loser for doing that. And uh, yeah, we'll just move on from there. So back to Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is somebody that I look at, and I think that at this point in time, he's more impactful defensively than Bobby Wagner. And when you see Fred Warner get that kind of a contract, which is more than what Bobby Wagner got, if I'm Jamal Adams, I'd be looking at that contract and thinking, I need to make that money too. Text in 710-710. Completely agree. Wagner is slowed down in coverage, and Adams is a Palomalu type of defender. A major problem, and he's due the same as Warner, if not more. So you're on the same page as me. I think that being a Palomalu type is good. Now, it's different traditionally than an Ed Reed type, but would you not have said that during both of their heydays that both Troy Palomalu and Ed Reed, despite being completely different players, Ed Reed, the 
best center fielder that we've probably ever seen in the NFL. Troy Polamalu, maybe the most reckless player we've ever seen in the NFL, the biggest gambler to sometimes the Steelers' detriment. They were they could not be completely uh, they could not be more different. But were they not clearly the best two safeties of the two thousands? I I don't I don't think it's close. Those guys were awesome. And then you take a look at the past decade. Earl Thomas is probably the best safety of the past decade, and he was closer to that Ed Reed kind of mold. I think there's this idea that to pay a safety, you have to be like an Ed Reed or you have to be like an Errol Thomas. I, I, I think that if you have that kind of all-over-the-field impact that Troy Polamalu did, Polamalu's game just entirely based off of instincts, then you are just as valuable as any other defender outside of maybe an interior pass rusher or defensive lineman in the league. So if I'm Adams, that's what I'm looking for. And if you're the Seahawks, I mean, good luck not agreeing with them on that because he's a more impactful player. 7-10-7-10. My goodness, it's, it's semantics day on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Price didn't lead Montreal to the Stanley Cup. He led them to the finals. Big difference. Yes, the Stanley Cup finals. Goodness gracious. I'm Paul Gallant. I'm getting a little annoyed. Sorry about that. 7-10-7-10 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. If you've got a question for Jeff Baker as a Seattle Kraken, we find out who is on their roster this coming season and for all time, shoot me a text. I'll ask it to Jeff. We'll find out the latest about your Seattle Kraken next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're gonna to fail. With Paul Galant. And joining me right now from the Seattle Times, it is Jeff Baker to talk about the Seattle Kraken. And Jeff, we've pretty much... Seems like we're already finding out the entirety of the Seattle Kraken roster well before the expansion draft even takes place. Yeah, I was planning to watch it tonight, but I think I'm going to watch um, Housewives of uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills instead. Uh, it might be more must see TV at this point. Oh, you and Moore might have something in common here because you guys you guys dive deep uh, into these reality TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's just a lot to dissect there. I mean, there'll be some stuff to dissect from the expansion draft as well. I mean, there's still a possibility of some side deals, some right. trades. But I mean, once that list got submitted to the NHL head office, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, plugged in insiders, especially up in Canada, that have direct ties there. And so that's where they're getting all this stuff from. So I, I would take a lot of it to the bank. So that's pretty good. That yeah, is good. Can, can try to keep everything a secret, but they're not going to keep a secret from those guys. So there you go. Those Canadians just spoiling everything for us. But look, I, I, I understand it too. I mean, they probably weren't told by Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, that they probably should keep it under wraps. And that's, that's a bad job by them. I think the, the, the big headline of the day is some of the guys that the Kraken did not take. Uh, Montreal Canadiens goalie Carey Price, who's got some health concerns, he was available to them. They chose to pass on him. And they instead went in a direction going after a lot of defenders. What does that say to you, Jeff, about the direction of where the Kraken are going? Well, I mean, it said it said that there were a lot more defenders out there to take than there were necessarily uh, guys that can put the puck in the net. I mean, some of the better offensive players are free agents, and you know they had an opportunity to sign some of them in the seventy-two hours leading up to this uh, this this draft. They had exclusive rights, but I mean, some of the bigger guys probably want to test the open market, and uh, you know the Kraken will still be able to take a, a run at guys like like Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, 
you know, he's, he's one of them. I mean, they can also trade for Vladimir Tarasenko going forward without having to eat all of his salary um, necessarily, which they would have had they selected him in the draft. So there's, a, you know, and, and defenseman wise, uh, you know, there, there was, there's some, some decent players out there. Um, yeah. And I, I think if you look at, at the way the protection scheme went, I mean, teams had a choice of protecting an extra defender in this draft. And unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, but, uh, you know, in this case, only three out of the 30 teams opted to use that. So you knew there were going to be defensemen exposed and the Kraken uh, went out and took some of them. I mean, the Kraken have already said they want to have an aggressive physical. And I, I can say right now, some of their early picks uh, that have come out, I mean, that, that really reveals that that's the direction they're going in. And that's the direction that we, we we've seen from Ron Francis and, I, I I am curious to see what they end up doing when they actually get to the amateur draft. But I, based off of what you know about Ron Francis and based off of everything else that you know about this organization as they put themselves together, and obviously we're learning a lot of things on the fly, so we're seeing them go in the, the, the direction of a defensive-oriented team. Does it feel less likely that they can still go and perhaps replicate what we saw from the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of years just based off of what we are at least seeing in the early returns as they announced their roster today? No, I don't think you can make that determination yet at all. I mean, if you remember four years ago when Vegas made its selections, a lot of people were underwhelmed by that too. But then in short order, Vegas uh, began making a bunch of trades Right after that, there's some free agent signings, and before you knew it, they had they had a pretty decent team, and a lot of the players on that team overperformed uh, the expectations anyway. And you know, the Kraken right now has has invested a lot of time and energy in forming an analytics group that's supposed to find some of these hidden gems out of uh, various players. And uh, not only that, they're supposed to find which players are going to mesh well with other players and you know some some of the the guys that i've seen them take so far you know appear to look like they're heading in that direction i mean you take a center like like yanni gord from tampa bay and and then you get another guy like mason appleton from the winnipeg jets i mean those are two very similar players very energetic very um i I like to call them chaotic they cause a lot of disruption up front And, and you know they both perform really really well in the playoffs this year both for the jets and for the uh lightning the jets for a much shorter time than the lightning but you saw, even though they're third line guys, you know, project, you know, their bottom six, supposed bottom six guys, they project a lot higher than that. And, and you get them all playing on the same team, uh, you, you can win some games uh, without necessarily just adding up their, their stats to this point and trying to see how that projects going forward. Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times talking Seattle Kraken with me. Their expansion draft is this evening. You'll have coverage of it here, right here. On 710 ESPN Seattle, we are finding out a lot of the names, though, that the, the Kraken are taking. Dave Haxtell's the new head coach, and I imagine there are some things that he learned from his time in Philadelphia. Let's just go back to that hiring. What did you make of that hiring, and what kind of coach do you expect him to be with an expansion team? I know having talked to my stepdad, who was a diehard Philadelphia Flyers fan, it felt like to him that he maybe had a more difficult time reaching some of the older players in his last go round as an NHL head coach. I mean, I think, I think with Hacksaw, part of his issue might've been the fact that he never played in the NHL and he Mm -hmm. jumped to the NHL straight from the university of North Dakota. And, you know, you have a lot of uh, some veteran players that might not necessarily rub the right way. Um, You know, every sport, every professional sport, whether it's baseball, football, or, or hockey, 
you know, there is a bit of a pecking order. There's a little bit of a, a, a hierarchy, both in, in a dressing room and outside of a dressing room. And I'm going to use the dressing room terminology because we're talking about hockey. And so, yeah, I could see where that, that might be the case. Um, and, and, you know, in this case, Haxtell, though, he's coming in. It's his second go-around, so he's a veteran NHL coach. He's, he's worked as well some time as an assistant in Serrano, so he's gained a different perspective on the job. And, and frankly, the players that are coming here to Seattle, they're, they're not – I mean, let, let's face it, some of them are very good, but they're all going to be cast-offs from other teams. They're, they're guys right. that their teams, by strict definition, didn't want so, you know, you're going to come in here with an attitude and, oh, this coach might not be up to my standard. I, mean, I don't see that happening. And, and frankly, with the guys that they're taking right now, Axel's a, a very well known as a team first guy. So if you're a team first guy and you're willing to go out there and sacrifice and not take days off, um, you know, I saw reports that they, <laughs> the Kraken were going to take Jonathan Drouin of the Montreal Canadiens, which was a joke because he's, he's the biggest anti he would be the biggest anti-prototype for a, for a Axel player that's out there on the market. He's a guy that would vanish for games on end. You wouldn't know where if he's mm. on a milk carton or anything. So uh, you, they don't want those guys here. And so you're getting these, these team first guys to begin with. I don't think any of them are going to have a problem with the coach. Um, and not, not an overt problem. Anyway, everybody's always got some issue with the coach. But I, I don't think it's going to be anything that detracts from the team. Jeff, I, I hope you have a lot of fun over the next 24 hours finding out everything that you can about all these Seattle Kraken new players at Jeff Baker Times, the NHL writer and columnist for the Seattle Times. As We now have a hockey team, which is just absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. Anytime. Appreciate it. Jeff Baker, everybody. Some more details are coming out about who the Seattle Kraken are taking. And if you want to check those out, I have retweeted a thread of some of the names that have been attached to the Kraken. I know there are some people out there who don't want to have things spoiled for them. I'll just say this. For the most part, you're, I would imagine only the diehard hockey fans out there are going to recognize most of these guys. So I don't think it hurts to look behind the curtain before you get a little bit of the background information in the broadcast of the Kraken and the expansion draft tonight. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but play it the way that you want to play it. And we'll play no spoilers for the most part, the rest of this show. I'm Paul Galan. It's the Paul Galan show. 710 ESPN Seattle is Jamal Adams worth Fred Warner money. Answer that for me. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Before we get back into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, we got some bills that we got to pay and a giveaway for you. We want to send you to Saturday's Mariners game and you'll have a chance to get a sweet little throwback jersey. Is it as sweet as my Seattle Metropolitan sweater that many 710sports.com slash video are calling an ugly Christmas sweater? I can't say, but you will have the chance if you get there early enough to get a Mariners retro jersey. And if you call 206-421-3776 right now or 866-979-3776 in one minute, if you're listening on the radio, 30 seconds if you're on the stream, caller number two, you're going to win two tickets to go see that game against the A's on Saturday we're giving away a pair of Mariners tickets each hour today. Stay tuned to 710 ESPN Seattle for your next chance to win. And that's Around the Diamond, brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the jewelry business. All right. Got that out of the way. There's no Mike Greenberg talking over me. 
And we can move back into talking about the Seattle Seahawks because guess what? Training camp's right around the corner, and I just saw a big deal given to 49ers linebacker Fred Warner, and he's a really good player. I think there's a strong case to be made that he's better than Bobby Wagner right now. I know that some of you guys don't want to hear it, and you think I might have an extra grind against Bobby Wagner. I don't. I just think that when you get older, there are certain things that you're not quite as good at. And while I think that Bobby Wagner is fantastic when he is moving north or south towards the line of scrimmage, blitzing in particular, I think there are other elements where there's a little bit left to be desired. And I would say there were a couple of moments, whether it was against Wayne Gallman with the New York Giants or against Cam Akers and his torn Achilles with the Los Angeles Rams, where he looked a little flat-footed in the playoffs, maybe a little less aggressive. Whatever the case, I, I, I then look at Jamal Adams, who had all the sacks that he had, who I felt was about as all over the place as one can get as a football player. And we're putting linebackers in that conversation, too. He is a light, but fast, strong, physical linebacker who can also rush the passer and who also is not bad in coverage. I feel like you could make a strong argument that Jamal Adams, because he plays a lot like a middle linebacker, should be paid like a middle linebacker. And while I don't think that this is an easy decision for the Seahawks to make, given some of the contracts that are going to be coming up on the books, obviously they don't want to bend over backwards to give Jamal Adams a contract. But if we're going to actually have an honest conversation here, Adams should be asking for Fred Warner money. And the Seahawks, at the very least, I think they have to be willing to pay Jamal Adams more than Justin Simmons. Fred Warner's contract's five years, $95 million. Justin Simmons, the highest paid safety in the NFL for the Denver Broncos, his contract is four years and $61 million. And I know, like, the guaranteed money, the actual years of a contract, there's a lot of uh, bogusness, if you will, when it comes to contracts and the figures that are put out there. Generally, it's just an agent trying to pat himself on the back, on the butt, perhaps at the same time. Like, hey, look at the deal I got my client. But you don't see all the fine print. But whatever the case, let's just look at it from a – at face value, and, and, and no further than that. Four years, $61 million versus five years, $95 million. Okay, we're, 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 we're in a, as far as an annual value for contracts, there is, I think, a middle ground between those two places that I think that the Seahawks and Jamal Adams can meet at. So that would be my, I guess, response. Should Adams, in this hypothetical that I've concocted in my way too hyped up brain this morning with all the caffeine I've had. Adams should be asking for Fred Warner money and the Seahawks should be willing to offer somewhere halfway in between. And I think if that happens, we might actually see Jamal Adams for the start of training camp. But there is a chance, as there always is, that this thing gets a little uglier than it needs to be. Maybe not out into the open, something that spills out into the open. I know Tyler Lockett says all these TV shows, all these radio shows need something to talk about. And while I love Tyler Lockett, I'm sort of like, well, I mean, that was a thing this offseason. And Russell Wilson did nothing about it. So, I mean, there's a reason that it was something to talk about. It was because Russell Wilson, you know, he dropped his drawers and he never pulled them back up. He had a chance to pull them back up. I would say in the situation with Jamal Adams, while I don't think it's going to turn into a public problem the same way that it has seemingly done this past offseason with um, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, there's probably going to be a little bit of acrimony. I just don't think it's going to be horrible acrimony that we obviously saw between Jamal Adams and the New York Jets. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. 
We already paid too much to get him, writes a texter. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. But, well, you're, you're just going to stop now? You know? I suppose, uh, I don't know how many of you guys have gone to an auction. I'm too cheap to go to an auction. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be able to handle somebody bidding with me. I would get too mad. And I, would, I think I would quit right away. But you're essentially right now, you, you, you came to an auction for one reason. It's like this one episode of um, Peaky Blinders where uh, Tommy Shelby, he goes to a uh, horse auction to buy one horse. And there's one other person competing with him for the horse. And he ends up paying like three times the budget that he actually had originally planned to pay for said horse. Well, that's what you've done with Jamal Adams. And I mean, you're just going to stop now. You can't stop at this point. Text in 710-710. Safety is even more important in Pete Carroll's system, Paul. I agree. It is. And I think that's something else to factor in. Text in. Paul, here's the other thing, though. Warner is six foot three, 230 pounds. Adams, he won't last as a linebacker. That, that is an interesting argument. He had the groin injury this year. He had the wrist injury this year. The guy's tough as nails, though, right? I mean, he played with a, he had, he had a torn labrum. He had three injuries this year. And maybe that's something that continues to happen. And if that is something that continues to happen, then it makes it a little bit more difficult to pallet a, a contract that would be on the same par or close to the par of a Bobby Wagner or a Fred Warner or something like that. But, I mean, when he's having that kind of an impact, when he is healthy, I mean, wasn't this defense night and day different when he was on the field? I mean, it, I, I definitely felt down the stretch until he got hurt. In I think it was the 49ers game where you saw him on the sidelines and he looked so ticked off. I, I thought he was playing great. And then in the Rams game, he was just a, a husk of himself. You know, he was in the right spot a couple of times, but he just couldn't move the shoulder in the way that he wanted to. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Paul, at that rate, the Seahawks would have to pay him at least $18.5 million a year. Is is that so hard? I mean, you're paying Bobby Wagner 18 a year, right? And I don't know that I don't know that he's worth that. Middle linebackers are getting paid that, clearly based off of the Fred Warner contract and some other contracts that we've seen for middle linebackers. I don't know that he's worth it, but I mean, is 18 and a half for Adams and 18 million for Wagner? Is that too much? Because Wagner's contract will soon be movable. If I'm not mistaken, this is really the last year. I'm Paul Gallant. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Paul Gallant Show. Big thanks to Jeff Baker, who stopped by in the sports pit. Big thanks to Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. Jake and Stacey are next for a quick show before Mariners baseball. I am merely Paul Gallant. Hang on. Just Mariners pregame. Just Mariners pregame. So long. Farewell. I don't know anything. K-bye.